Well, for those of you watching via YouTube, watching this recording, um, this live recording, we uh, have some camera difficulties, so we're kind of switching things up so the video might look a little different today, but I want to thank all of you that listen, and uh, we're going to go ahead and, and get started today. Today's teaching is going to be about a certain topic, and this topic is without question the most important topic in the Bible for all of us to understand. The topic that I'm going to, to speak with you about here this morning, and I want to have you search the scriptures with me a little bit here on this topic, is the topic of salvation. You may or may not have heard the phrase that states that we are saved by grace, and indeed we are. But do we have a proper understanding of what that really means? And is there more to it than just simply saying that we're saved by grace? I'm going to show you in this teaching that there is indeed more to it than just that. All right? I'm going to talk to you about the fact that the Bible teaches that we are saved by grace through faith. Many people, many religions, many denominations and non-denominations alike uh, have latched onto the concept that we are saved by grace, but what do the scriptures actually teach about this topic? Again, is there more to it than someone just being able to say, I'm saved by grace? What do the scriptures teach? So with all that said, I want you to open your Bibles up with me this morning or your Bible apps on your phones, whatever applies here, to the book of Ephesians, okay? It's in the New Testament. Of course, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. We're looking for Ephesians chapter 2. And listen, whenever we go through these teachings together, if you can't find the book in your Bible, don't hesitate to turn to the table of contents in the front of your Bible to find the page number, because it's really important that, we, that you follow along on these scriptures. So again, we're looking for Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to go ahead and just start reading in verse 1, Ephesians 2, 1. It says, And you... He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay, I'm going to pause right there and kind of go step by step as we approach this topic today. Verse 1 here is speaking about a person, as you see, it says, that has gone from death to life. And of course, we're talking about being spiritually dead. Right? And then being made spiritually alive. Our Creator, God, is a spirit. We are created in His image, and we are spiritual beings. We know, of course, that God became flesh in Jesus Christ, but it's important to understand that for us, for you and me, sin makes us spiritually dead, and sin separates mankind from God. God told Adam in the garden, um, what would happen if he was disobedient to what God had commanded him? He told him that he would surely die. 
right? From verse 1 here, we see, however, that a person that has come to faith in Jesus Christ has had a resurrection of the soul take place in their life. And the cause of death here, it says, is trespasses and sins. That's what causes a person to be spiritually dead. Trespasses and sin causes spiritual death in the life of a person. The Greek word that is used there for trespasses is the word paraptoma. Paraptoma, okay? And it is a word that literally means to fall beside or near something. That's the word trespasses. To fall beside or near something. It speaks of deviating from the truth, right? It's where we can draw near to sin and settle there rather than making the choice to steer clear of sin. So a trespass um, is being somewhere you shouldn't be. Going in a direction you shouldn't go. You shouldn't even be falling near that or beside that thing. Okay, That's what that Greek word means there. A Christian is called by the Lord to have no fellowship with darkness. A worldly saying that I can give you regarding this is, is that if you play with fire, you're going to get burnt, right? We understand what that means. It means don't even go there. Don't even come near that, okay? So that's what a trespass is, okay? And we also see the word there in verse 1, sin, okay? And it's hamartia. Hamartia is the Greek word. Why do I bring up the Greek word? What does that matter to us? Well, the, the New Testament was originally translated from Greek into English like we have it today. So when you do a word study on certain things like that, when you look up the Greek, you can come to even a more clearer meaning of what the Scripture is saying there. And when I study the Scripture, that's often what I'll do. So I'm not expecting you to remember that word harmatia, the Greek word, but I'm I'm giving you a deeper meaning of what it says there. So that word harmatia in the Greek is a word that means to not have a share in. To not have a share in. It is the actions of our lives that keep us outside of the kingdom of God. We will not have a share in the kingdom of God if we remain in sin. Okay? That's what that word means. And that's one of the biggest things I'll say to you this morning. To those of you watching, to those of you listening to this audio, we will not have a share in the kingdom of God if we remain in sin. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10. through 10, And these are some important verses. You, uh, I won't have you turn there. But 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10 through 10 says this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, it says, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5 takes it even further. Galatians 5 has this list. It says idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, 
outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, uh, drunkenness, revelries. Revelries is like drinking parties and such, right? And the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So sin presents a major problem when it comes to entering into the kingdom of God or being saved. Sin presents a major problem to salvation, right? To willfully choose to live your life in sin is to live our lives in a manner, right? When we willfully choose to live our lives in sin, we practice, we make a practice of it, right? We're missing the mark, Right? And often you may have heard sin referred to as that. Missing the mark, right? Missing the bullseye. The, and, and the bullseye is righteousness. That's the mark. Right? We need to be righteous. We are called by the Lord to live righteously, soberly in this present age. Right? Like we looked at in our last study, the last time that we gathered. Uh, that's what the grace of God teaches it teaches us to live righteously, soberly, godly in this present age. And I took you and showed you that in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. To live in sin is to live in an unrighteous manner. So we shouldn't be in trespasses, like verse 1 in Ephesians here is talking about. And we shouldn't be in sin. We shouldn't be falling near unrighteousness, but rather we should be steering clear of unrighteousness. And for the person that has come to faith in Jesus Christ, trespasses and sin as a willful choice should be a thing of the past. That should be a thing of the past that we're willfully choosing to be in sin. And Galatians 5.24 says this, it says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I read that again, Galatians 5.24. Those who are Christ, in other words, those who belong to Him, who have come to be in Christ, they have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What does crucifixion speak of? Death. You've died to it, right? At one time we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but we've been made alive, right? That's what we see here in verse 1 of Ephesians. We were dead, but we've been made alive, right? So the born-again Christian, for the born-again Christian, that is a person that has a past life and a present life, a way they used to be without Christ, but they don't bring that into the life in Christ. Okay, they're born again, born of the Spirit. At one time, we all willfully walked in trespasses and sins, but now, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, which we also talked about in our past teaching, we now no longer live the same life that we lived when we lived without Jesus Christ, because the Spirit of the Lord, who we are now yielding to, causes us to live differently. And verse 2, here in Ephesians, continues, and speaking of those trespasses and sins, right? It says, In which you once walked 
according to the course of this world. Keep that in mind. There is a course of this world. There is a, a way this world operates and, and a way this world runs. It's contrary to the ways of Christ. That's why Jesus says we're to be not of this world. We're to be not of this world. We're not living like it. So this is saying in verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. So do you see that the Bible is making a distinction here? Right? Trespasses and sin is the manner in which the children of wrath walk. In other words, those who are not lining their lives up with God and being led by the Spirit of God. But it's not the manner in which the born-again Christian walks. We all once were children of wrath, and we used to conduct ourselves in the lust of the flesh, just like the rest of the world that is led by the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. But those that are truly in Christ no longer live life like that. They don't practice that. They don't do that kind of thing anymore. There is a clear distinction between the born-again person and the one that has not been born again. Okay? Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Okay, so... This is very important that we understand this. This is what the grace of God is. Verse 4 and 5 tells us there what the grace of God is. It is God having mercy on us, loving us so much that even while we were sinners, even while we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive again in Christ, in Jesus Christ. This is the grace of God. And that grace has appeared to all mankind, right? Anyone and everyone can reap the reward of the grace of God. It is available to them. It is offered to them. Okay, and we'll talk more about that as we go along. What else did God do in His wonderful mercy and grace? Verse 6, And raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So what wonderful grace that is. What wonderful favor God has stowed upon mankind. He has given by His grace the opportunity for all of mankind to be saved. And for those that are in the faith today, those that have come to grace, they have or come to Christ, they have the grace of God to thank for their salvation. Mankind hasn't done, nor can they do anything to earn salvation apart from the free gift 
of God's grace. It was an amazing gesture of the love of God to show such grace to all of mankind. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2 states this. It says, He Himself, speaking of Jesus, it says, He Himself is the propitiation. That means, that's a word that just means substitute, meaning He died in our place, right? He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for all the world. And that's an important verse of Scripture as it pertains to the topic of salvation. Jesus shed His blood for the sin of the whole world, not just a select few okay, that would be saved. Whomsoever will can come to salvation. That's the grace of God. It's offered to all of mankind. But not all of mankind is saved. Not all of mankind receives that salvation. Grace is offered to all. That's what grace is. Unmerited favor. You don't deserve this. You're sinners, God said. You're dead in your sins and your trespasses. But here's the offer I'm giving you. I'm giving you Jesus Christ. But not everyone has received Jesus Christ. Right? So there's more to being saved than just the grace of God. There's more to it than just the grace of God. When it comes to being saved, the grace of God is the initiating factor. Right? And, and now we'll get into that part of the study here where I'm saying there's more to it. There's, you're saved through faith. Verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So it's plain as day here, right? It's not just by grace you're saved, but it's through faith we are saved. And it says, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So again, it's that wonderful mercy, the amazing grace, the loving kindness of our great God that He has offered salvation to all the world. That's the grace of God. Right? That's God's amazing grace for all mankind. No man can by their works have the opportunity to be saved apart from that grace. And it's offered by God as a free gift to whosoever will. And then, what does that person need to do though? Here's the grace of God offered to everyone, offered to all people. Right? And what do they need to do? What do they need to do to appropriate that in their lives? How do they capitalize on this amazing grace? Well, they get there, like it says in verse 8, through faith. They, become, they come to Jesus by faith. And they become a new creation, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. It says the old passes away, and all things become new. Right? That person comes to Jesus Christ. And that person that is truly in Christ is a person that now does good works. They do not remain in their trespasses and sins. They don't keep living that way. They now live in good works. Why do I say that? Let's stay right in the Scriptures here. Verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus 
for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So very plain and clear right there, isn't it? We are saved by the grace of God, by that wonderful mercy and kindness of God in which He's offered salvation to all, but we are, we are saved through faith. It was the grace of God that offered it, but it's, it's through faith that we appropriate it and we receive it, right? The person that has truly come to faith in Jesus Christ is that person that has been created now in Jesus for good works, as verse 10 tells us there. Right? So when we see that person that, that not living in good works, they're living in the course or the manner of the world, and I'll touch more on this again later as well, and they say, well, I can do this, or they think they can do this because they're saved by grace. They think they can have sex outside of marriage or sin in one way or the other or do whatever they want, right? That's contrary to the Word of God. They can do things contrary to the Word of God and say, I'm saved by grace. No, that's not salvation that the Bible teaches. Because if they truly were saved by grace, then that grace, as Titus tells us, would be teaching them to deny ungodliness. See, they're not living in faith. They're not being saved through their faith when they're sinning, when they're walking in willful sin and in the ways of the world, right? God prepared good works for that person that's been created in Jesus to walk in, and that's how you know. And that's why Jesus said, a tree is known by its fruits. We can't be deceived. A tree is known by its fruit, right? But if a person remains in their trespasses and sins, then they're remaining spiritually dead. And the work of the Spirit isn't taking place in their lives. The faith that the Bible teaches, the salvation that the Bible teaches, is, is a faith, a salvation that produces works, good works that God prepared for us to walk in. Turn, go ahead and turn now in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. So toward the back of your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. And we'll look down and we'll start reading in verse 3. So 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God, how? Through faith. For salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So here we can learn something. Those three verses that I just read to you are speaking about people that through the mercy of God have come to that living hope as verse 3 calls it there, it is a living hope. In other words, a hope that we now have in this present life. 
The living hope was accomplished for us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have that living hope. And in verse 4 there, we see that there is an inheritance uh, reserved for those that have been made alive again. That is, those that have been born again, um, those that have been saved from their trespasses and sins. And this inheritance is incorruptible and it is undefiled. In other words, it is something something extremely good to say the least. And this wonderful thing is waiting for us in heaven. And it is our salvation. And this salvation will be revealed in the last time. At the end of this life, if you have stayed the course through faith, you will be saved. Right now, I can proclaim that I'm saved. How? Because I'm in the faith and I'm walking in the faith, and I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Right? I'm not turning to this world. I'm not turning to, I'm not yielding to this. Right? Is there temptation? Is there the ability to stumble? Yes, there is. Every day. Every day I face it. Every day we all face it. But what is your choice? By the Spirit of God within us, who, who is leading us, we can say no. No, the Spirit of the Lord is telling me not to go there. It's telling me not to fall in trespasses and, and not to go too close to sin. I can see sin in the, coming in the distance in my life from time to time, right? And I can say, no, I'm turning now. I'm not doing that. I'm taking up the cross today, and I'm not walking in that way. That's my faith that's going to take me all the way to my salvation. That's going to be revealed in the last time. Either the last time when, this, when everything's done as we now know it, or in the last time when I take my last breath here on this earth, and I'm absent from this body and I'm present with the Lord. But until that time, I'm saved through faith. Okay, Right now, we know, like I'm telling you here, we're saved when we're walking by faith and not in the ways of this world, right? Remember, there is a way that we used to walk and a way that we now walk. That's the born-again Christian. You see, unfortunately, the word born-again, I've noticed over the last 20 years at least and maybe longer, the word born-again has been taken out of a lot of Christian lingo, Right? And, and, and other things have come in. They, they don't like the word born again so much in Christianity today. But that's what Jesus said a person must be in order to see the kingdom of heaven. In other words, there's, a, there's the person you once were and there's the person you now are. But today with a greasy grace kind of teaching, right, with a twisted, perverted kind of grace, people are saying they're saved and, and remaining in their sin. And continuing in their sin, right? But we once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. We once conducted our lives. Look how it says we once, right? It was something we used to do, right? We once conducted our lives in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That's what we read back in Ephesians, right? And it says we once, as if it was done with, as if it was the past, as if it's not the present doesn't say you still do, right? 
But now when a person is truly walking in the faith, the faith that will bring our, to our, us to our salvation, that person is now walking in the good works that God has prepared them to walk in. And that's because, again, it's because they've been born of the Spirit of God. So through faith we are saved. And the saved people are easy to recognize because they are obedient to the commandments of the Lord. And they don't do the things that the non-born again world is doing around them. Peter goes on. In verse 6 here, speaking of this salvation, and he says, In this you greatly rejoice. What? In, in, in the fact that our salvation is going to be revealed in the last time. We're going to be there. We've got this inheritance prepared for us in heaven. This wonderful thing that God, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man. The things which God has prepared for those that love Him, the Scripture tells us. So in this, he says in verse 6, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. You see, in this life, this temporary life through which we now live, right, there are various trials, aren't there? In the early days of Christianity, in the part of the world that the recipients of this letter from Peter and, and all these letters that we have in the New Testament, right? During that period of time, they were being persecuted for their faith and even being put to death. Today, when you stand for the things of God, when you stand for marriage, for example, as God made it to be, you're called hatred. You're called a hater. Right? When you stand against abortion, you're called a hater. You don't love women. You're a hater. Right? All these things. And if you look at our country, look at the way some of the government in our country today, some of the political leaders want to go. They want to keep abortion. They want to keep marriage and, and, and define it in the way they want to. Right? But when you stand for God, you will be persecuted. When you stand for righteousness, you will be persecuted. Okay, there will come a time, it's getting closer, when even some of the things, when I read from the scripture earlier that homosexuals will not, enter, will not inherit the kingdom of God, that time is getting closer where they're going to come after me. And they're going to say, hey, you can't be saying this. That's hatred. And they're going to want to put me in jail for it. They're going to want to lock up people that do that, that preach the Word of God. And this country's getting closer and closer to that kind of thing. And it's happening. So we need to be wise in how we use our right to vote in this country. Right? How we use it. We want to make sure that the people that are standing for the things of God are the ones we're voting for. Because we're not of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're just passing through. This is not our home. But while we're here, we're standing not for the kingdom of this world. We're standing for the kingdom of God. Okay? Right? But right now, for the most part, we're not going through severe persecution like they did in the old days. Right? But even without that, right, there's still trials today. And there's still the testing of our faith, right? Some great trials and some small trials. Temptations come our way. How does your faith stand up when you're tempted? Do you just give in and say, I'm saved by grace? 
saved by grace, so I just do this sin. Right? The born-again Christian is that person that is staying the course of faith in Jesus Christ. And they're the ones that have the living hope. And they're the ones that will have the inheritance in heaven. And they're the ones that are denying this world. And they're the ones that are looking for and waiting for that glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know, when we go through trials of faith in this life, there is a purpose to it. And verse 7 says, gives us that purpose. It says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory, when? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. So keep something in mind here. The revelation of Jesus Christ hasn't happened yet. That's a future event still. If you want to know more about that, there's a whole book written about it in your Bible called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. And you can learn about it. And in the end, when Jesus is revealed, and this is important to listen to here, in the end, when Jesus is revealed, your faith will either have been found genuine because you fought the fight, or it will not be found genuine. And it's these trials today, these tests that we go, to, go through, that are testing us to see the genuineness of our faith. But you will be saved through faith. Yes, as a result of God's grace, but it will be through faith that you keep all the way till the end that will save you. And we know that the person that has received the grace of God is a person that walks in righteousness and they're led by the Holy Spirit. Again, we talked about that in our last study. But again, you will be saved through faith and, and you will be saved through a faith that is in the end found to be genuine. And this is why our faith gets tested right in this present life. Many people profess faith in Jesus Christ today, but is it a genuine faith? Are you living your life professing faith in Christ, but still fulfilling the lust of your flesh, thinking that the grace of God allows you to do so? If so, according to the Scriptures, you are mistaken. Salvation comes through faith, and that faith is a faith that fights the fight against the lust of the flesh. And by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, a truly saved person is a person that will have stayed the course of righteousness all the way to the end of their lives. And none of this is accomplished by our own power or our own ability to remain righteous. Again, we can stumble in many things. Right? The only way that we can stay the course of faith is to walk in Christ Jesus. And this we do not by sight, but by faith. We have to keep walking by faith, denying ungodliness. We choose on a daily basis, like I said earlier, to take up the cross and to follow in the ways of Jesus. We choose day by day to live a life, to live that life that He gives us by the power of His Holy Spirit working within us. It is a newness of life. We put off the sin 
the Bible teaches. We put off the sin that so easily besets us. And what do we do? We run the, the race of faith all the way to the finish line with endurance, right? And we beat our bodies. Paul teaches that we beat our bodies into submission. No matter how strong of a temptation it may be. No, I'm not going that way. No, I'm not going to do that. Right? Many people today have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of godliness. The Spirit of the Lord working within them. The Spirit of the Lord that gives them that power to walk in the newness of life. And it's faith. Because if we just give in to sight, we're going to sin like the rest of the world. We just give in to what feels good, what looks good, whatever. We're just going to sin like the rest of the world. And many people fill the pews, the chairs of churches on Sunday, and then they live in unrighteousness the rest of the week. Right? They live Monday through Saturday thinking they're saved by grace, and, and, and they think it's a grace that overlooks sin. When the Bible teaches that that's not the case. And the Bible teaches a faith, a faith that walks in accordance with the Word of God, not in accordance with the world and the lust of the flesh. In Jude chapter 4, it says this, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men, who turned the grace of God. Who are these ungodly men? What are these ungodly men that Jude is talking about? What are they doing? It says, who turned the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, unfortunately, many people are teaching this kind of a grace, a lewdness kind of grace. Lewdness means unbridled lust. In other words, you don't hold back. You don't fight the fight of faith against sin. You don't hold back. You just give in to it. Right? And that's the grace that's being taught today. And no matter what they do, they think they're saved. And if you listen to Christian music nowadays, it's kind of amazing some of the lyrics in there. It's twisted. You know, somehow Christian music in a large part has abandoned doctrine and theology. They've abandoned the truth of the Word of God. But again, I encourage you to seek all of this out in the Scriptures that I'm teaching you here. The Bible teaches we are saved through faith. And that faith is a faith that endures to the end. It fights against temptation. Right? And I know I'm repeating myself here, but the faith that the Bible teaches is a faith that causes a person to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. That's how you know they're in the faith if they're doing that. And that's what the grace of God teaches us to do, right? Still speaking of Jesus, verse 8 here, I'm still in Peter with you guys. Verse 8, whom having not seen, it says, speaking of Jesus, right? Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Okay? Again, when that day comes, when we see Jesus... Boom. We don't need faith anymore. We're now saved. But in the meantime, we walk by faith and not by sight. In the meantime, we press on in the faith. 
we stay the course because we're saved through faith. Faith is what we now have to go through. Faith is now what we have to walk by all the way till the end till we receive the salvation of our souls. And in the end, you know what? In the end, every knee will bow. Again, salvation is offered to all of mankind through the grace of God. And many, many people just refuse it or just don't care about it. Just keep wanting to get their way and live their way and do their thing, right? But in the end, there is going to come the day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So if you don't believe in Jesus now, if you haven't given your life to the leading of the Lord, someday you will confess that He is Lord. But for those of you that do walk this life by faith in Jesus now, be aware of the fact that there will be a people that will be standing before the Lord Jesus Christ someday that will hear Him say to them, Depart from me, I never knew you. And these people will be those that have done wonderful works on the earth in the name of the Lord. If you don't know what I'm referring to, it's found in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who, what? What did he say? He said, you who practice lawlessness. So you see, the person that practice lawless, that practices lawlessness, no matter what the good works they do, no matter if they're in church on Sunday and Wednesday, right? They continue in their sin, but they profess to believe in the Lord, right? And, and they may even, like I said, do good works. That person will not enter the kingdom of God because the faith through which we are saved is a faith that does not practice unlawlessness but rather it's a faith that practices righteousness. It's a faith that walks in the good works that God has prepared for us. Righteous living. And again, to live righteously can be accomplished only when a person is truly in Christ, when we're walking in the faith and being led by the Spirit of the Lord. The salvation of your soul is more important than your image. It's more important than how much money you have in the bank, in your bank account, right? It's more important than how many friends you have. It's more important than your family, your marriage. Jesus thought it was so important that He said, For whoever, who, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, Jesus said. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what will it profit a man, Jesus said, if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... Of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. So does salvation mean that much to you? Are you willing to lose your life here on this earth? That is, are you willing to let go of the desires of your flesh, the things you lust after, in order to follow Jesus? If you hold on to this world, then you're ashamed of Jesus. A man asked Jesus one day, he said, Lord, are a few people going to be saved? 
Jesus answered that man and said, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter in and will not be able to. That was in Luke chapter 13, verses 23 and 24, where Jesus said that. And when Jesus said that, when he told that man to make every effort, he said, to go through that narrow door. If you study that in the Greek, you'll find that to make every effort, when Jesus said make every effort, it means that there is a continuing agonizing effort to enter through the narrow door to get into the kingdom of God. In other words, faith is a fight. You got to fight the flesh. You got to beat the flesh into submission. You got to fight against sin. But many people today don't want to put that effort in, so they receive this twisted message of grace that says you can keep sinning and be saved. That's the path of least resistance, but that's not the path that Jesus teaches. He said, make an agonizing effort to get in. Right? But people rather would rather continue in sin and profess to be saved. Turn to Hebrews. We're almost done here. Long study today, but it's a very important topic. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. Starting in verse 1, Hebrews 12:1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Does that sound like the easy life? It sounds like... Set it all aside and run with endurance. It's a fight. Like Jesus said, it's an agonizing effort. We fight the fight of faith to get all the way till the end when we receive the salvation of our souls and we're ever going to be with the Lord, right? Verse 2, how do we do this? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. So you see what it's talking about here? Fighting against sin. And, and no, none of you have, sh none of us have shed our blood to do it yet. Right? Jesus did, though. No one's asking us to shed our blood for our sin. Jesus did that for us. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6 teaches that the one who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. I want to read that again. He said, The one who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And he went on to say, And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. 
And when he says, if we do not lose heart, in the Greek it means, if we don't relax. I'm telling you folks, study your Bibles. Don't grab on to the doctrines of men, the doctrines of denominations, the doctrines of non-denominations, right? We must fight the fight of faith against trespasses and against sin. Or in the end, your faith will not be found genuine. Yes, it is the grace of God that has offered salvation to all of mankind, but we will be saved through faith, and that being a faith that endures all the way till the end, a faith that causes you to walk in righteousness and holiness, denying ungodliness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, again we thank you for your holy word. Your word is good. Your word is truth. Your, your word instructs. Your word corrects. Your word rebukes. Your word equips us that we can be in righteousness, that we can walk within your will. God, and how do we know your will apart from your word? So thank you, Lord, for your holy word this day. I pray, God, for all of our hearts that we would grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you, Lord, that we would understand what the true doctrine of grace is, what the true doctrine of salvation is, Lord. We must stay the course. We must fight the fight. And I pray for those that will listen to this teaching that will watch this video, that have never come to faith in you, that today, Lord, would be a day of repentance, Lord. Today would be a day that they would turn their hearts to you, Lord, completely unto you, that they would deny themselves and take up the cross and follow after you. Because, Lord, none of us can do anything apart from you. So we need you, Jesus. Let your spirit work, I pray in all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.